0: Welcome to the sermons of Steve Galloway, pastor of First Baptist Church, Macon, Mississippi. Let us join together and study God's word and apply it to our hearts so that we may learn his truths and live faithful, obedient lives. May God bless our time together. If you haven't already figured out a a pattern of what John is doing, he is commanding us, encouraging us to be children of God. To set an example, and that's a lot of what uh, this passage of Scripture talks about as well. So let me invite you to turn into your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. Allow me to read this passage. Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness And does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, open our hearts to the truths of your word today. Lord, as we see, Lord, how you have given us some simple commandments to, to follow that are truly the answer to our lives as your children. Help us to examine our hearts and our lives to see if they are truly in place. If we are truly being obedient to them and living them out. Lord, guide us, use us, speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As I shared last week, uh, John began his writing last week by saying, my little children. Today, in in my translation, it says, beloved. If you remember, John is getting fairly old. He is getting closer to the end of his life. I would say that he may be one of the last people on the face of the earth who actually witnessed Jesus walking in his ministry? He was at the foot of the cross when Jesus was crucified. He was there when Jesus rose from the dead. He was there when Jesus met them in that uh, upper room. He was there when he saw Jesus ascend into heaven. So he is maybe one of the last eyewitnesses of Jesus' life and his ministry and his resurrection. And so now he is dealing with second, third, maybe even fourth generation Christians who are struggling. That's why he's saying my little children, these young Christians, these who are struggling understanding what it means to be a child of God simply because every generation tends to taint the gospel a little bit, trying to make it maybe a little easier to to accept. And there are also false teachers in their midst. They're trying to teach them lies about Jesus. And so John is using this passage in this book to remind people and to encourage these young Christians about their walk with Christ. This time he says, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment. Well, what is this old commandment? And why then does he turn around and say, well, I am writing a new commandment. Well, first of all, the Old Commandment is basically all the laws of Moses condensed down, and Jesus actually did that later on. But it begins with what the Jewish people would call the Shema, and this was something they quoted every day, and I'm only going to read the first two verses of it. It actually continues for several more verses. It is found in Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through five and following. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. See, this commandment was making the children of God to understand that they were supposed to have a love relationship with God. They were supposed to love God with every fiber of their being. There was no part of their life that was isolated from God. They were supposed to love God with all their heart, all their soul with all their might and in other words god was supreme he was the center of their lives now this deals with the relationship that we're supposed to have with god and it's from the beginning found way back in the uh, books of moses uh, in deuteronomy but there's also another that deals with our relationship with others It's found in leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So that commandment is also an old commandment found back in the books of Moses. And it is the other side of the coin. We're to love God with our entire being. And we are supposed to love others as ourselves. Or basically the same way that God loves us unconditionally not holding grudges, not seeking vengeance, but showing love, unconditional love. And so the Old Testament, uh, basically what he's saying in verse 7 is that the Old Commandment is the word which you have heard. Now we have the written word. The the Jewish people had the written word, the Torah. They had the the scrolls. They had, uh, they could go to the synagogues and they could hear the word of God being proclaimed. And they had these memorized because they're so critical to their relationship with God and fellow, uh, uh, fellow man. And so we see that this is the old commandment. And it is in their hearts. It is written in their hearts because it has always been a part of the written scripture. It is the word that God has given them. And so we look and we see that Jesus uses this same scenario. One day, a young man came to Jesus and said, Master, Rabbi, what is the greatest commandment? He was basically saying, you know, nobody can keep all of the commandments. We can try to memorize the first five books of the Bible and try to keep them, but we can't do it. We can even look at the Ten Commandments found in Exodus chapter 20 and and try to keep all of those commandments. But this man was probably saying, if there is one commandment that is greater than the rest, and I keep it, then surely God would be pleased with me. And so he asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And here's what Jesus says, found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is a great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends the whole law and the prophets. So we're seeing that Jesus himself went back to the old commandments and he quoted them. What he was doing is basically summarizing all the law and he was putting it into a very simple way for us to remember. Have the right relationship with God. Love him with all your heart, soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the law and the prophets. And so we are to love God with everything within us. We're to love others as ourselves. So John is not writing a new commandment. This commandment has always been there since the days of Moses when he wrote these, since he uh, heard them uh, from God and put them down so that we could have record of them. They have always been there as a guide for our lives. So the commandment to love God And to love others is not new it's just simply the major part of the word of god for us so remember jesus did not come to replace the old testament he did not come to replace the law or the prophets he came to fulfill them to complete them to make a greater emphasis upon them so then in verse 8 john goes on says but on the other hand i am writing a new commandment to you which is true in him and in you so what is this new commandment it's the old commandment being lived out that's all it is the the two commandments are the exact same thing love god with all your heart soul mind and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself but here's what happened jesus came god the son came to earth and began living out these commandments he showed us how to be obedient to the Word of God. It's one thing to have a, a list of do's and don'ts and say, today I did pretty good at keeping the do's. May have missed out on a couple of the don'ts. Overall, I did okay. But it's one thing to have the Word, the Gospel, the Old Testament, the Law, and the Prophets and to study on them, and meditate on them, and to try to put them into practice. But it's another thing for God himself to come to earth and to show us how to be obedient to them. That's what Jesus did. He, God, came to earth and fulfilled this commandment. To love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So the new commandment, is the old commandment being lived out in the flesh. Jesus has shown us by his very life how to live according to the word of God. So he showed us through his action. The New Testament basically is the Old Testament being brought into life. Jesus comes and he shows us the perfect example for us to follow. So if anybody says, I don't know how to live the way God wants me to live, Well, just read about Jesus. Read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you'll see the the laws of God being lived out through the life of Christ. See, Jesus did everything that God commanded him to do. How do we know that this new commandment is real? Because it says, which is true in him. This new commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself is true in Christ. And if it's true in Christ and we are children of God and we are co-heirs with Christ, we are his brothers and sisters, then the next part is true. And in you, in us. We as children of God, we as Christians, ought to also live this way. This is the way we ought to live as well. We have the perfect example. We have Jesus to follow. If we just follow how Jesus did, then we will be in obedience to God. So Jesus lived out this commandment. Everything that Jesus did was in obedience to God. Jesus himself said, I cannot do anything but what God has commanded me to do. And so he was doing these things. He was fulfilling the commandment found in the Old Testament by living it out and showing us how to do so. So this commandment to love God and to love others is the evidence of faith in Christ. So when we follow Christ as our perfect model, when we understand God's laws, His commandments, and we show that we are surrendered to the Holy Spirit of God, and He is working in us and through us to fulfill these commandments, then we too are showing the evidence of our faith in Christ we don't have to worry about a list of a hundred thousand do's and a hundred thousand don'ts that you could probably come out with if you read and studied all the first five books of the Bible all we have to do is two simple things maybe not simple but two things pour your heart out to God love him with every fiber of your being your heart your soul your mind your strength everything that you have Within you, love God with. And then, with the same love that God loved you, love others. If we do those two things, then we have fulfilled the entire laws of Moses Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. All those are God's laws. If we do those two things, we fulfill all of that. Not only the laws, but also the prophets. The prophets showed the Israelites that they were sinning against God and what would happen if they continued to sin against God. And through the prophets, many people were being drawn back to the truths of God's word, the Old Testament law. And so the prophets, too, were showing us how we ought to live, even though they were chastised and ridiculed and persecuted. Jesus is saying, I'm simply fulfilling what they began. I'm living out their truths that God has presented to us. And so if we would simply follow the will of God by following the model that Jesus has given us, we will be found obedient. Unfortunately, the last part of verse 8 says, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining, that's not always the case. If we follow Christ, If we see that Jesus is the fulfillment of these commandments, then we do see that the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. But darkness has to be overcome by only one source. There's only one source that can overcome darkness and that is light. We're not talking about walking into a dark room and turning on a light bulb and all of a sudden the darkness goes away. That's a beautiful, perfect illustration but what we're, we're talking about is a world that is living in darkness. This world is living in darkness. There are billions of people living in darkness that do not know Christ, that are living against God's will for their lives. They do not have salvation. They do not have eternal life. They know not the gospel, or if they have heard the gospel, they have rejected it. And it is what we are to be doing in our lives that is supposed to be the light into the world. We're supposed to be the light in the world. Jesus is not walking on the face of this earth anymore. He has given us the commandment. It's found in our uh, responsive reading this morning. Go ye therefore into all the world, baptizing in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, making disciples of all that I have commanded you. And lo, I will be with you even unto the end of the age. He's commanded us to be the light. And so we must overcome darkness with light. And so the first two verses are how do we see the commandments of God? To love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and to love each other as ourselves. Simplest way to do it, follow Christ. Live our lives as he lived his so that we can be the light that overcomes the darkness. So what is the test genuine faith? Well, basically, if you look at the rest of this passage, verses 9, 10, and 11, you'll realize that truth is found in how we live. If you had a video recording of your past week, and you were forced to watch every second of it, how much of that week would you say was being lived unto the Lord? In obedience to him. Where he is truly in control of everything that you said. Everything you did. Everything you thought and desired. See the world's looking at us. The world watches Christians. We don't have a real good reputation. We don't always live the way that we ought to live. We're not living a surrendered life as often as we should, which is all the time. But the genuine test of our faith is how we live our daily lives. Do we live our lives loving those around us, even those who hate us, those who are our enemies? The real test for followers of Christ is that we're to love all people all people. When Jesus said, and to love your neighbor as yourself, that same man that questioned Jesus about the greatest commandment said, but who is my neighbor? And you remember what Jesus did? He shared the parable of a good Samaritan. Samaritans were despised by the Jews, but yet a Jewish man falls in the hands of robbers. He's basically left for dead. The men who were supposed to be Loving, caring, ministering. The men of God walked on the other side of the road so they would be tainted by the blood, by what had taken place. But the one man that this Jew would probably hate by just laying eyes on him, came and ministered to him, bandaged him up, took him to an inn, Paid for his care in his absence and said, whatever else may be needed for this man, I will pay when I return. He showed compassion and he showed love for a man who hated him. How good are we doing at that? When somebody does something, says something that upsets us because it hurts us. Is our desire to seek revenge? find vengeance? To attack back? Or is it to love them with the love of Christ? See, the Bible tells us that we are to love them, pray for them, minister to them, help them, instead of seeking vengeance. So, the question is, how good are we living a daily life as unto the Lord? Sometimes we just try to grin and bear it. Say, you know, I'm going to do my best in my own strength to not seek vengeance. So I'm just going to grin and bear it and just try to plow through this. But folks, trying to handle this in your own strength is going to be failure from day one. It's only when we surrender our lives to the Lordship of Christ and allow His Holy Spirit to take control of our thoughts and our desires. Where we say, God, I cannot handle what happened. I cannot forget what they said or did. But only you can work in me to produce forgiveness. And you can take control of my thoughts. And you can replace hatred with love. See, hatred is a natural thing. Love is a choice. it's a choice that we have to make every day. But it's not a choice that we can put into practice in our own strength. It won't happen. You can choose to be nice, but you will not ever truly love somebody unless the love of Christ is flowing through you. And it can only happen when you are truly surrendered, allowing the Holy Spirit of God to work through you. So what does he say? The one who says that he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. So we can claim all we want to claim. We can claim that we're a child of God. We can claim that we're Christian. But if we hate our brother, we're still walking in darkness. We're not living a life for Christ. We're not being an example for others to see. We're not being a a way for God to use to draw others to Christianity, to draw them to salvation. He goes on and says, The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Has anybody ever caused you to stumble in life? I've been your pastor for getting close to 10 years, I think. I definitely am not perfect. Like I told you all many years ago, if I hadn't failed you yet, I will sooner or later. I'm not God. I'm not Jesus. I strive to live a surrendered life. But we're either going to be a helpmate, helping people in their walk of Christ, by being encouragers and living a life that is a model for others to see Christ in. Or we're going to be a stumbling block. We're going to live where we fall away from the light and walk in darkness. And others will look at us and say, well, if that's what being a Christian is all about, then do I even want to be one? Or, you know, I really thought that this guy had it together in his Christian walk, but he really doesn't. And it shows the the fragility of our Christian walk we're all going to fall somewhere along the way. We're all going to mess up. We're all still going to sin from time to time. When we do, we become that stumbling block. But the one who actually walks in darkness and claims to be a child of God will actually weaken the message of Christ. See, if we claim to be a Christian, and yet we're constantly walking in darkness, then others look at us and they say, Okay, if that's the gospel, I don't see any difference than how I'm living. So what's the difference? Why why should I become a Christian if if I don't see any difference between the two? And when we claim that we follow Christ, yet we show hatred towards others, are we any different than the rest of the world? It really creates a message of confusion. I thought that they're supposed to love one another, and yet I just see hatred. I see even within the own, within their own church hatred towards others where they're bickering and fighting with each other. That happens in far, far too many churches. What happens when a younger Christian, one who's not very mature in their faith, is trying to find somebody as a role model? Yes, Jesus is supposed to be our perfect role model, but let's be honest, we all try to look towards somebody that we can respect and say, now I see the love of Christ, In action, that's what I need. I need that encouragement by seeing Christ living out in somebody's life. And so if there's a young Christian that's looking for a role model and they look at you as their role model, are we going to be a helper to show them the light, show them the way of obedience, or are we going to be a stumbling block? None of us should really say, you know, I'm the perfect model. But even Paul said, you know, I strive my best to follow Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he said, Be imitators of me just as I am of Christ. So Paul was saying, you know, barring anybody else to look at, I may be the best thing physically here on earth for you to see. So, imitate me as I strive to imitate Christ. Well, be honest with you, there are people who are looking at us wanting somebody that they can imitate. That will lead them to Christ. That will lead them into a greater relationship with the Lord. So, verse 11. But the one who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in the darkness. And he does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Who are we supposed to follow? If you saw a blind man walking down the street with his cane, maybe he would be somebody good to follow because he probably knows the way just by the feel. But if he's thrown out into a different world, Different city where he does not know where he is and he has no vision. Would you follow him or her? Would you trust your life in somebody that could not see and did not know where they were going? Same goes true for who we follow. We need to make sure that anybody that we follow knows the way, that they know the way of salvation. That there is no doubt in their hearts or their minds that they know Christ, that they are surrendered to his lordship, and that they are striving each and every day to live a surrendered life unto him. That's who we need to follow. If we follow after somebody who is walking in the darkness who is blinded, then we're going to follow suit. We're going to walk in darkness as well. So who are we supposed to follow? Well, we have one perfect role model. His name is Jesus. Jesus showed us through his daily life how we ought to live. You know, Jesus didn't have it easy, did he? He personally handpicked 12 men to be his apostles. Two of those guys got into an argument about who was going to be greatest. They even got their mom involved. Can you make sure that my son either sits at the right or the left hand of you in glory? Jesus had to deal with that. Then he had good old Thomas who doubted. did he hold that against him? How about Judas? Jesus never showed hatred against Judas, the very man who would betray him. He never showed anything but love and compassion towards him. In Jesus' ministry, he didn't go to the people who were flocking to see him. He didn't go to the ones who already believed that he was of God. He went to the publicans, the sinners, the down and out. He went to the prostitutes, the leopards. He went to the demon-possessed. And he loved them unconditionally. He ministered to them, healed them, forgave them. That's what he has shown us to do. Do we only hang around with people that believe the same way that we do? Are we willing to venture out a little bit and say, Lord, there's obviously people that come across my path that are different. Don't believe the same way I do, but how can I be used to show your love towards them? Is there something I could do or say that might help them to understand that my love is unconditional the same way your love is for me. That I'm not holding grudges. I'm not checking off boxes of whether or not you're worthy to be loved. I'm just loving you because God loves you. Because God loves you, I'm supposed to love you. See, love is a choice. Hatred is natural we do what comes natural, we'll hate the person because they're different. They don't believe the same way that we do. But if we love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind and we love others the same way that God loved us unconditionally, then we will be able to love the way that Jesus did. So Jesus is our perfect role model. So the questions I ask are, Are we willing to start every day looking to Christ as our example to love others? Are we willing to surrender ourselves under his authority so that his power of love can engulf us? Are we willing to swallow our pride and stoop down and humble ourselves and minister to the needs of others? Are we choosing to love others or are we letting the natural tendency of hatred to have its way? If we're struggling with this, I shared something last week. I mentioned that in uh, Charles Sheldon's uh, book, in his steps, the question was constantly asked, what would Jesus do? Well, basically, that's what this is saying. We have the perfect example, Jesus. What would Jesus do in our situation? Then let's do it. Just like he would. commandment's been given. It's been around since the beginning of time. In the early days, God gave it to Moses. Love the Lord your God. Law your heart. Soul, mind. And then, love your neighbor as yourself. Same way I loved you. How simple of a phrase. But how hard it is to live out. The Old Testament, the Old Commandment was given through the Word. Jesus, the New Testament, the New Covenant lived it out. He has shown us how to live it out. Now let us go and do likewise. Let's bow together. Dear Lord, open our hearts to your truths. For we've heard your Word from the day that we first opened up the Bible and began reading studying, meditating on it. Lord, sometimes there's a disconnect between the written word and the living word. So you sent your son Jesus to live out your word. He has shown us how to live. So now, Lord, let us follow that perfect example of how to live in obedience to you just as he did, for Jesus never did anything contrary to your will to show the world your love. May we minister to those who hate us. May we love them with the same unconditional love that you loved us with. May we be used as your light to shine on this dark world around us so that in whatever ways you desire, you may use us to share your love with others. Guide us, Lord, as we leave this place to be found faithful. For the Lord, hatred is natural, but love is a choice. And the power of love comes from you, not us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.